Hello and welcome to Love Signals. My name is Michaela McDonald and I will be your host as we continue on this journey of exploring all the ways that love is sending signals to us and through us. Welcome back everybody. (laughs) This is episode 28, I believe. And it's going to be short and sweet because I am recovering from a small mouth surgery that I had last week. And while I am eager to speak with you all and share love signals, I also want to listen to my body and rest. So if you hear any oddness in my, (laughs) in my words, I feel like I have a little bit of a lisp basically. Um, I hope that it brings you joy (laughs) and please know that it won't be like this forever. Today, I'd like to discuss listening to our hearts. This is something that I think is mm, core to the message of love signals. I think that having an open feedback loop with our hearts is so important because that's where the love signals come through. That's, that's kind of that connection point to the love that's beyond us and the love that comes from within us, which are possibly one and the same. (laughs) And in my rest and recuperation over the past week, I had the joy of finishing reading The Alchemist, which is a wonderful book. It's a fiction book, but it has so much depth and philosophy imbued in it, and I really enjoyed reading it. There are a few passages that I'd like to share with you. These various passages start on page 127 and go for about 10 pages or so, but I will try to just share a few. So this is where the main character, the boy, uh, who's a shepherd, at least in the very beginning of our story, is talking to the alchemist. And the alchemist is talking about the importance of listening to his heart. And so he says to him, listen to your heart. It knows all things because it came from the soul of the world and it will one day return there. And so this goes on. The boy and the alchemist are on their journey, this certain phase of his journey. And the boy keeps asking, why should I listen to my heart? And, oh, my heart's saying this and my heart's saying that. And, you know, he's sad about something that he's left behind, but he's also excited for what he's moving towards. And, you know, his heart's keeping him up at night and all these things. Like there's, I think this way that he can feel like his heart maybe isn't truly supporting him or, or offering the greatest wisdom. And the alchemist encourages him, this is good. Your heart's alive. Keep listening to what it has to say. And so the boy keeps listening to his heart, noticing the different things that go on with it. Sometimes it's frightened. Sometimes it's excited. Sometimes it's, you know, it's just doing all these different things. And, and he says like, oh my gosh, my heart, my heart is a traitor. It doesn't want me to go on. It doesn't want me to fulfill this personal legend, this destiny of, pursuing my dream of finding my treasure, which is kind of the premise of the whole book. And the alchemist is like, yeah, that's okay. That's normal. But the boy's like, but why should I listen to my heart? And he's like, 
because you will never again be able to keep it quiet. If, even if you pretend not to have heard what it tells you, it will always be there inside you, repeating to you what you're thinking about life in the world. And so I feel like here the alchemist is really saying like, once you really cultivate a relationship with your heart and you listen and that feedback loop is open, then that feedback loop will always be open. He continues and the boy asks, you mean I should listen even if it's treasonous? You know, and he's basically saying like, sometimes my heart's saying things that feel like they're going to lead me away from my path. And the alchemist replies, treason is a blow that comes unexpectedly. If you know your heart well, it will never be able to do that to you because you'll know its dreams and wishes and will know how to deal with them. You will never be able to escape from your heart, so it's better to listen to what it has to say. That way you'll never have to fear an unanticipated blow. This is so interesting to me of like, that there is this, there often are these deeper truths, these deeper knowings that our heart wants to share with us. And sometimes we don't listen to them and sometimes we do. And sometimes we're shocked by them. I know that's something I've experienced in my life at various points of realizing, oh my gosh, my heart really wants to do this thing that totally surprises me. And sometimes I think the surprise is just some of the magic and, and sparkle of life and the way things can evolve and transform. But I also think that sometimes those surprises are because there hasn't been as much keen listening as there could have been. So then the boy goes on to share with the alchemist, my heart is afraid that it will have to suffer because he's been reflecting on his heart and noticing like, whoa, it's really afraid of suffering. And the alchemist says, tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself. This is something that comes from so many wise traditions, right? The, the fear of something is worse than the actual something, right? He continues, and that no heart has ever suffered when it goes in search of its dreams, because every second of the search is a second's encounter with God and with eternity. And the boy repeats that last part to his heart. Every second of the search is an encounter with God. And then he reflects, when I have been truly searching for my treasure, every day has been luminous because I've known that every hour was part of the dream that I would find it. When I have been truly searching for my treasure, I've discovered things along the way that I never would have seen had I not had the courage to try things that seemed impossible. And this brings peace to his heart. And this, I love this whole idea of like every second of the search is an encounter with God. And this idea of being in the search, really, you know, the book talks about this boy. He goes on this quest to find treasure because he gets this message that there's this treasure somewhere out there. And, um, the journey is where so much beauty happens. The journey is where so much richness enters into his life, both through experiences he has in the outside world, but also what he gets to experience about himself. And I think we're all having our own journeys, our own personal quests and searches, whether that's just the search for deeper peace or fulfillment. I think that as we journey towards these different visions, these different things that we want to create or, or discover, 
I think that there's so much energy and even like um, divine energy that comes along for the ride and that meets us there in our journey. And I feel like that's what this is talking about. And that to me is part of what love signals are about. Like, And even going back a few episodes when I was talking about signs and symbols, that there is this way that it feels like, man, when you are in touch with that, that juicy aliveness of pursuing kind of your heart's quest in life, it does seem to be that there's these little winks, these little nudges and smiles from life itself saying, hey, you're doing it, right? And in The Alchemist, they talk a lot about omens, and that's something I think I mentioned in that episode. And it's just beautiful to think about that there's this deeper language of the world that goes beyond our human spoken language. And that could be the language of feelings, feelings coming from our heart. It could be the language of symbols and and smells and imagery in the world around us. It could be the the language of dreams. There's so many things. So yeah, let's see if there's anything else I want to share from this. Yes, there's this piece I love. From then on, the boy understood his heart. He asked it, please, never to stop speaking to him. He asked that when he wandered far from his dreams, his heart press him and sound the alarm. The boy swore that every time he heard the alarm, he would heed its message. That night he told all of this to the alchemist, and the alchemist understood that the boy's heart had returned to the soul of the world. Hmm. Isn't that lovely? I love this idea, too, of our hearts kind of having a home, a home base, and that that's this, as they describe it in the book, the soul of the world, or that could be, you know, in resting with God, or it could be resting with, you know, the stars, or whatever resonates for you. And But I love this idea that our heart can feel at home when we say, hey, I want to hear you no matter what. I will listen to you. Please keep talking to me. And that piece around, um, you know, if you, if I'm straying from the path of my dreams, sound the alarm and I will respond. That reminds me of something that my Byron Katie coach would tell me, which was, you know, at the end when you're, you're worked through the judgment and you get to the end of the worksheet where you're doing all this inquiry. And the last part is that you, you've started the statement when you filled it out, when you were kind of in the pain of it, the judgment was, I never want to experience whatever it is again, you know, you fill in the blank and then you play with at the end as you've gone through the whole process and it's changed so much for you. You play with, I'm willing to experience whatever that was again. And you say, oh, is that true? How does that feel? And then you try on, I look forward to experiencing whatever that was again. And you play with that and you try that on. And the conclusion that I at least always come to that helps me to say, yes, I I do look forward to experiencing that again is because for me, when I experience that, that feeling, that pain again, that's the alarm bell for me saying, hey, You are outside of your own business. You are believing a thought that's not true. 
and it's causing you suffering. And so I love this idea of paying attention to the alarm bells and and using those as a way to guide us back, guide us back to ourselves. Wow, we're really cruising. This might end up being a normal length of a podcast. We'll see. (laughs) So listening to our hearts. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable and hard because our heart has lots of feelings. And and it's going to be honest with us and let us know like, hey, this is not in alignment with our bigger dream. And sometimes that's hard or inconvenient. But I think part of why I love the self-love letter writing process is that it's a way to dialogue with the heart. It's a way to wake up that pathway, that feedback loop of, hey, how are you doing? Hey, I notice you're feeling this. Oh, but I also notice you want to feel this. So here's the love letter I'd like to share with you all today. It's from March 4th, 2021. (laughs) Here I am, another day, another dawn, loving you in earnest. It's actually quite wondrous to do something again and again without requiring or waiting for any outcome. There's no objective but to love for the sake of loving. And I love you, Michaela. I feel like it could end there, but it does continue, so I'll share the rest. (laughs) You are doing a great job with all of it, every little and big thing. You are navigating life with such grace and beauty. And I know it can feel uncomfortable and messy. And I want you to know how beautiful and graceful those moments are too. What a joy it is to love you and know you day in and day out. I chose that love letter today because I like the way it fits with this theme of listening to our hearts again and again, day after day. Keep showing up, keep showing up. And I think that for me, part of that exploration of, you know, letting it be consistent, letting it be steady was this inquiry of like, does showing up super duper consistently help my heart, my body, my mind to know that this love is unconditional, that rain or shine, day in, day out, good mood, bad mood, I love you right? And feeling that unconditionality of the love, feeling that the love is here no matter what, that I'm held in it no matter what, is something that for me was really profound and and creates this deep sense of safety that I can can stop any tightness or tension or or patterns of holding and doing things a certain way because otherwise I'm not going to be okay. All that can fall away and I can just be and there's so much freedom there, knowing that I'm loved no matter what by, you know, the heart of the universe or God helps me to feel like I can really be myself and I can open up to what my heart is telling me and I can, I can let myself be guided. I can be brave and I can be honest with myself and all of that lovely stuff. <laughs> so I think that this episode feels serious. (laughs) Last week was so joyful. It's very possible. This is so funny to me that part of why this one is very sincere and serious is because 
as I'm healing from this uh, little surgery, I can't smile that well because I have to keep my lower lip really stable and all that. And um, <laughs> it's like harder to smile and be as expressive. And, and I do think there's like almost a psychology to like, if you have to keep your face looking very serious, you feel more serious. I mean, at least I feel more serious. And I've experienced this before with other things where I've had to keep my face kind of still or, or less expressionful. <laughs> That's a word now. And it's so interesting. And so I guess I'll add as like a fun little, a little end note to this episode that it is so interesting to play with our, our physical expressions, whether that's our posture, you know, the body language of our shoulders back is our heart open, our shoulders forward is our heart collapsed in. Are we, you know, super tight and bundled up? Are we super spread out and relaxed? Just playing with all of that, noticing how you walk, noticing how you sit, stand, noticing where your gaze is. Do you look up? Do you look down? But then also noticing your facial expressions. Are you holding tension in your face? Are you letting yourself smile? Are you forcing yourself to smile? Anyway, all of these things that I'm listing, they really do have an impact on how we feel inside. It's kind of like with the breath, right? Our breath can tell us how we're doing. Like our breath might become, you know, go faster when we've been working out or if we get excited, uh, our breath can slow down when we're relaxing and receiving a nice massage or something. And so it's letting us know, wow, this is relaxing or wow, this is really, you know, <laughs> this is strenuous. I'm having to climb a mountain or whatever it is. But our breath is also something that we have control over. So we can also use conscious choice about how we breathe to impact how we feel. We can breathe faster to be more energized and alert. And we can breathe slower and deeper to help ourselves calm down. And so I think that same kind of dialogue possibility that happens with the breath is also possible with the body. And so it's really interesting to basically be noticing that in live time here that I've spent you know, the past five, six days or so not being able to smile as much as I usually do, at least not as toothily. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's hard to say that word as I usually do. And I do think that it, it, it makes me feel a little bit more serious, <laughs> more serious and pensive. And uh, how interesting, how interesting to notice, you know, and it gives me compassion for people who aren't aware of these things, right? Who sit all day hunched over, not breathing deeply. They're in a posture that says, I don't feel so good. They may not be making that many facial expressions because they're not really interacting with anybody. You know, I've noticed that about texting and even emailing and stuff is that something might really be funny to us and we type out LOL or whatever, <laughs> but we may not actually be deeply laughing and smiling in the way we would if we were in person with that person we're sharing this exchange with. And so letting ourselves express and feel good and breathe and laugh and smile, I think is so important. It's so, so important, not just for, you know, the people around us to know that we're okay, <laughs> but also for our own mind, our own heart to get that feedback of how, how is this person doing, <laughs> you know? So that's a fun little bonus thought that I've added to this 
sweet episode. (sighs) All right. So we talked about listening to your heart. We talked about choosing to listen to your heart consistently. And we talked about the power of body language and facial expression language and how we can use that to influence ourselves to feel however we like. You know, maybe you want to feel serious so you don't want to smile for a few days. (laughs) That honestly sounds too horrible. (laughs) But, you know, you know, you you get my my drift, my gist drift. Wow. Yep. (laughs) All right, my dears. Well, thank you for hanging in there with me in today's episode with my tiny lisp and my various thoughts. And um, before we go, I wanted to share just a little song with you. There's no words. It's just sounds. And it just feels like a nice thing to share. For me, playing music feels like another way to listen to my heart, to express my heart. It's very much a dancing with my heart experience. So I wanted to share that with you all. That song is called Dandelion, and there are quite a few lyrics to it that I just haven't fully crystallized yet. There's various versions and all that, but I love this version of it that's just just with humming, just with sound, no words, just to let the feeling of it wash over me. And so I hope you all enjoyed that, and I'll leave you with our beloved phrase. There is so much love here for you. May you feel it more and more every day in every way. All right, take care until next time. Bye.